Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. I'm, well, not once again, because last time I did it by myself. And this time we've got Jakub back with us. Uh, hello, Jakub. Let's start. Oh, yeah, there's already a woohoo. Uh, and we have two important, well, one is maybe important thing, uh, one is an important thing to discuss before we get going. Uh, the other is probably, uh, well, <laughs> a bit less important in the grand scheme of things. It's just important for us because it's competition. But we're going to start from the uh, announcement of the ATP and the ITA. ITA is the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, so uh, the governing body of uh, American college tennis. Uh, that and this is an announcement though unite to accel they, they they unite to accelerate professional development for US collegiate players. And basically I'm just gonna tell you what it is about and then I'm, I'm gonna ask Jakub for his opinion, I think. Uh so uh the way it works is that players ranked in the top 20 of the ITA final singles rankings, which come out at the beginning of June. Uh, ITA, like you know, like all the other governing bodies, have has its own ranking, uh, and those who have finished their education will be granted up to eight accelerator spots at Challenger 50 and 75 events. Uh, the top 10 will get them in the main draw. The qualify the 11 to 20 ranked players will get them in the qualifying. So very similar as to the junior ranking. Uh, players also eligible will be players who reach the quarterfinals or better at the individual and CAA championships. So the, the tournament that, that Ben Shelton won last year to, to get a US Open major wildcard. Although, of course, he would have gotten it anyway. And um, they will also, yeah, they will also qual uh, qualify for the accelerator program if not already eligible, of course. Uh, these opportunities last uh, one year, so from one, so from the from the first of July each season. So this year, from the first of July two thousand twenty three to uh, the thirtieth of June two thousand twenty four. And also the players who uh, haven't finished their education, so remain in college, but qualify for the program based on the ranking or based on the quarterfinals of the, or better of the championships, will receive six opportunities, but they will have to take them within the first six months of the, or, you know, of, uh, basically between July and December. Uh, so that they can, uh, you know, they can benefit during the, the off season. And I think also one more thing is that they're also uh, eligible for the promotion. Uh, opportunity. So if, uh, the, the player, the college players eligible for the accelerator spots achieve, uh, direct acceptance into the uh, qualifying of an ATP Challenger event based on their own ranking, ATP ranking this time, then they can be promoted into the main row. So it's just this, you know, the same as the promotion mechanic for, for the juniors. Uh, it's pretty much, uh, you know, very, very, very similar. Uh, and yeah, we'll see uh, what's going to happen with that. What are you, what is your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, just like the junior accelerator sports, I like this a lot. Uh, I think it's a great move. Oftentimes, we see these college players uh, come through and sort of get maybe not 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 stuck in the challenger qualifying, but that challenger qualifying in the U.S. events is oftentimes almost deceptively tough because there's it's very competitive in there. Uh, so for the the very best, the top ten to be able to go directly into the main draw will be a great help in in them sort of establishing a ranking more quickly. Um, the fact that it's for players who are still currently in college is also great, uh, as well as people who have just left college. I'm I'm a big fan of it overall. Obviously, we've seen it with Junior Accelerator. We've we've already seen Dino Prismich. We've seen Jakub Menshik use it to some very solid success. Uh, and I expect I expect more of the same. What do you think about it? Um, I do have some like uh remember when you were talking about the, the the previous changes and um you know for example Shevchenko on Instagram criticized it. Alexander Shevchenko, of course, is gonna be a, a big talking point in this episode, but much later. Uh but you know, I think there is a there is a way to sort of go overboard with this. I don't think it's yet. But I think there's going to be a lot of pissed off tennis players this year, you know, when they realize, for example, that uh, I didn't get into a challenger draw because there's, I don't know, some guy from college who hasn't even finished his, his education. He's going back to college anyway, so he's not even going to earn the money. He's not even going to, you know, have a, uh, have a huge chance of breaking through unless he like wins a few events in a row. Um, I can see that it will uh, probably rub some people the wrong way. As a, in general, you know, in the past few years, we've been seeing the rise of 
uh, college tennis as a like a viable option to get to professional glory uh, and this is probably the first time that tennis is really at least the ATP is really acknowledging that which is um, I, I think uh, very important to just notice and remember for the future maybe uh probably what's important as well is the fact that you know right now college tennis is such an international environment uh because in general you know if it was like 15 years ago that would have been like almost racist but right now of course it's uh it's much different uh players from each uh players from basically every country uh are going to college uh, are playing college tennis in the states although it's still you know heavily relying on americans which I, I wonder if that's going to be like a um, a bit of a problem for someone. For some reason, I have not seen much discussion on this. I think this is mostly related to the fact that, uh, well, it came out basically during the Australian Open. So I think, you know, not many people just paid that much attention to it so far. Uh, it was completely different when these previous changes were announced in the offseason and sort of, sort of the, they for a moment, they were even maybe the main talking point on uh, on tennis Twitter or one or one of the main ones. I have not seen basically anyone discuss this other than, you know, the college uh, buffs, which uh, of course is also a, a branch uh, that exists. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. Let's see how these guys do. Um, I wonder, you know, what sort of uh, quality of players we're going to get there because I actually haven't changed uh, <laughs> the IDA rankings, uh, like who, who's in the top 20 right now, for example. Uh, do you like have any any clue about that? I'm just trying to play oh, that yeah, quickly. No. <laughs> yeah, no. NCA Division One men, for example, uh, singles. I think I'm doing it right. This is September. No, we're already in January. So the last ranking, I think, was yeah, the last ranking was in November 16, uh, as it seems. And if I okay, so um, the names we know: Ethan Queen, Basafaredi is also eligible for the for the junior uh, things. So I wonder if that, you know how how does that work? Is he's eligible for the accelerator spots for both uh, for both this and the junior ones? Uh, Elliot Spitziri, we saw we saw play some great matches at the U.S. Open qualifying a couple years ago, right? Uh, we definitely have heard of Garrett Jones, who's also played in the, on the Challenger Tour, Tour a bit. Uh, Michael Zheng was in the Wimbledon Juniors final. Uh, Antoine Cornouchavin, of course, was uh, was also featured in many challengers. Other than that, honestly, I don't know most of the players. In I think Max Basing was also in some um, in some UK UK. I, maybe it was uh, twenty five the twenty five k level. Other than that, I I don't really know most of the players uh, on here. I think. But yeah, basically, th there's gonna be some good names for sure, uh, and yeah, let's see how it works. Any, any, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, like, I of, of course I understand the, the frustration of people who have taken those spots um, with their regular ranking. Of course, you know, if you're suddenly playing qualify because of some guy in college, I can understand that pissing you off. Um, but yeah, on the other hand, like the, these are like limited opportunities. Um, like they, they are, you know, six to eight. They get to try it out. Um, I feel like it's sort of beneficial to see maybe if if this player from college has what it takes to to perform on the challenger level uh, without them grinding on the ITFs for for a year first. And and it's the same with juniors. I mean, do we have to have every single junior? grind through several through a year of ITS before they come to the challengers. No, I mean let, let's try it out. Let's let's see what they have with the juniors. So far they've had some some very nice success. Uh we'll see what it's like with the with the college players. All right. Um let's then get to the second and definitely the least the, the least important uh, less yeah the least important of the two. Uh, where do we uh, get? Where do we start with this? Uh, so we had this draft pick game for the qualifiers about the Australian Open. Uh, of course, we did it in a bit of a different fashion than than usually, but I still uh, you know, prepared a table, and I hope I am right with the counting. Have you also counted that or not? I also counted. And, and I believe it, we were high. Yes, I, I, I agree. It's a tie of 32 against 32, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, both of us had three qualifiers win matches for us. Uh, you had uh, Brandon Holt, uh, Yuncheng Shang, and Dalibor Stina. And I had Nicolas Jari, uh, Enzo Kwako, and Yosuke Watanuki. Which is just crazy that we that we tied. I believe it was actually 32-31 for you before Enzo Kwako played against Novak, Novak Djokovic. And I basically needed him to take a set. 
uh, which is quite wild that he did. And uh, but he did. Then again, I mean, also Jari didn't take a set of Shelton, so maybe it evens out a bit. So yeah, who disappointed you? Maybe who uh, who performed better than you than you expected? Uh, who performed better than I expected is definitely Brandon Holt. Uh, my 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 biggest point getter out there got me ten points. Um, I expected Vukic to, to take that match over Holt, um, and then Brandon Holt goes on to win two sets again by Bautista Agut. So I'm very satisfied with him. Who I'm disappointed with is probably Zizou Berks. Uh, he had Jetta in the first round, only took a set. I feel like he could have done better. Um, but yeah, what about you? Yeah, I think I have to be disappointed with Hanfman, right? He had a two sets to love lead on Hijikata. Uh, didn't convert it, um, sort of uh, let the let Rinky run away with it thanks to the help of the crowd. I think uh, uh, that that was a pretty key point in this one. Uh, very satisfied with what Vatanuki did, uh, for sure. Uh, Jari beating Ketsmanovic as well, that, that was huge. Kwako just did, you know, exactly what I was expecting him to end something. Uh, and that's something being, of course, the set that he took of Novak Djokovic. Uh, so yeah, pr- pretty crazy that that we tied, uh, especially as well. Uh, we didn't exactly like have uh, you know free free wins, uh, and then uh, I don't know just one or two players winning a set, but actually plenty plenty of qualifiers won a set. And it has to also be said that we only had the two lucky losers that were uh, there when we when when we could do the draft picks. So Kotov and Varias. And as it no. turns out, uh, there was also Mo and Kudla, and both of them won a match. So. Uh, actually, Mo even won two, and Mo would have been the mo- the best scoring uh, possible option here. But of course, uh, he only got in, uh, I think, just a couple of hours before he was due to play against Loro Locoli. So, uh, I think that that helped me as well, right? That Locoli played Mo, not Goffin. Locoli even had a match point there. Uh, oh yeah, so actually, Locoli was like the biggest disappointment, I guess. Compared, to, uh, I had two guys blow a two set two sets to lovely. I didn't even realize that. Uh, because because of the fact that Quaco took a set, I was like, I was thinking I was the lucky one here, but maybe not. Maybe not after all. Uh, Locally had a match point, of course, at uh, in the third set against Mo and double faulted, uh, which was a, a pretty brutal loss, especially considering there were so many rain delays in the middle. Maybe somewhat, you know, somewhat similar to uh, Locoli's final in uh, Numea versus Brancaccio, where he also blew a match point and uh, then didn't really return to his best shape after the rain delay. Um, and I guess that would be it, right? Uh, of course, some other guys who have barely made it into the top 100 before the Australian Open, but we've seen them a lot on the Challenger Tour were doing extremely well as well. We still got Ben Shelton in the quarterfinals. And I um, guess that means that we're never going to see him on the Challenger Tour again. <laughs> we, we will see him in, uh, you know, 2038 or something. <laughs> He's super old and, and coming back down. Uh, well, possibly. We'll see. But yeah, he, he is so impressive, uh, especially after he like he was bad in the warmups, too. I, 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 yeah. I cannot believe how good he is here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just going to transition this to the challenge. Oh, OK, just just one. I'll just say one thing. Uh, I had this um, like someone asked me on Twitter to like write him uh, for, for some you know, collaborative effort a bold prediction for a men's player in 2023 and i chose ben shelton uh, said that uh he uh, the bold, the bold prediction was that he was going to make an atp tour final uh well i didn't know it was going to be the australian open of course he hasn't made it yet and he would have to beat uh, novak Djokovic. but i'm also saying that in that uh, very uh, in that very uh you know uh, write up I said that uh, he's probably going to struggle a bit uh, at the beginning of the season, but then improve with all the experience, you know. And, you know, I see these losses to Duckworth. I see this this a very tame loss to Alice. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this, you know, spot on so far. <laughs> then he does this. But of course, I cannot be anything but happy for uh, for this guy because, well, he's going to be a treat to watch. Uh, yeah, let's transition now. Let's go into Tenerife, I guess, which was our biggest event this week, right? where we had Alexander Shevchenko win the title over Sebastian Ofner, 7-5-6-2. Shevchenko's second challenger title after winning the Bratislava Open in the summer last year. Uh, he did not drop a single set all week, beat Gubis, Nick Hart, Lorenzo Giustino, uh, Maestrelli, moves up 41 spots to number 116 in the live rankings as we stand right now, 73 points away from the top 100. What did you think of Shevchenko this week? 
yeah, live rankings, as Jakub said, because we don't get the rankings on the Monday uh, during the slam, of course. And uh, yeah, uh, this is such a massive boost to his top 100 chances. Uh, I think he only started getting like real points in uh, about March last year, if I remember correctly. I think he had a pretty, pretty rough start to the season or maybe didn't play at the beginning of the season, something like that. And and yeah, to get a title on hard courts with the way he's been looking on hard courts recently, uh, well, yeah, he started playing in February and started getting, uh, yeah, like big points, uh, at the end of, in, in basically at the end of, at the end of February. So there's, there's still a lot of time for him to make up even more. Uh, he's going to play the t- two more events in Tenerife after he goes to Belgium this week, which is, by the way, super weird that we get an event in Tenerife, then they need to go someplace else. And then there's two more <laughs> in, uh, in, you know, you know, which is, uh, pretty hard to get to, right? Comparing the same week as well, but yeah, moving on. <laughs> yeah. The, the Canary Isles. I mean, it, it, it's not that easy to get to anyway. Uh, yeah. Shevchenko, uh, I don't think he's really done anything spectacular to translate his clay game better than in the past. I, I wouldn't say so. He was just, you know, very, very solid. The, definitely felt quite comfortable uh, controlling the rallies on the on hard courts, which also wasn't easy for him in the past. I think we've talked about the, uh, this uh, a, a few times before, but his first serve isn't as um, isn't as poor as people sometimes make out make it out to be. I, I don't think he really needs to improve it like instantly. Uh, he he does get into a lot of advantageous positions after after his first serve. Perhaps never no, isn't really that great at taking them, but still not dropping a set and yeah, seventy points away from the top one hundred life, uh, which uh, yeah just just makes you really uh, full of confidence that he has the ability to do it before dropping Bratislava. And if he can, you know, if he can start actually getting results on hard courts, that would be, of course, uh, another thing that that would that would seriously um, get get him to a to, to a ranking spot that he wasn't really able to attain before very quickly. Absolutely. I mean, even if he hasn't done anything different, he still has now done it on hard courts, which is huge. Uh, even though the the run wasn't wasn't the hardest, you're gonna see. Even if you compare it to to Offnet, Offnet I think had a had a harder run here. Um, but yeah, I feel like it still induces a lot of confidence. Seventy three points away is is not much at all, especially with with what you, when you look at what he has to defend. Um, he's he's still defending ITFs until yeah until um, until March, but it's a very good position for for Shevchenko right now, and I feel like he might take advantage of it. As for Ofner, it was his eighth challenger final, three and five in those finals. He started with a 6-4 in the third win over Luka Nadvi in the first round before defeating Marojan, Bonadillo, and Valkus. He moves up 35 spots, number 158 in the live rankings. What did you think of Ofner this week? Yeah, probably he had a tougher road than Shevchenko. I mean, not probably, definitely. Uh, and the, the, kind of disappointing, honestly, for him to lose in the finals. I remember there was this moment last year when after he returned and won in Prague, uh, it, it sort of felt like, you know, he's just going to be back in that uh, best form of his life uh, very soon. And it just hasn't really materialized. He was in the final round of qualifying at the Australian Open, where he also, I think we can call it a disappointing exit when you beat Tabilo in the second round and then lose to Locoli. I think we can call it that. And uh, yeah. Here he was, uh, he definitely was the favorite coming into the final, but just played, you know, he, he, the tennis IQ is, um, very, um, shaky with Ofner. Let's just say that. And, and there, there's, there was definitely a moment. There were definitely moments in the final where he was just, you know, either straight up ball bashing or just had no idea what to do at all. So, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I would expect him to like be winning matches like that if he is ever to, you know, make a top 100 push. I don't know if to say again, because he was never really that close, but there was certainly a moment when, uh, when it seemed very possible. As for our semi-finalists, we had Mate Valkus reach the semi-finalist, uh, the, the, the semi-finals out of qualifying. He beat Karlovski and Merida in qualifying before beating Taberner, Trunheti, and Passaro. Uh, he's in a new career high ranking at the moment, in the live ranking at 235. His first challenger semi-final since Mauthausen in May last year. What did you think of Valkus here? Yeah, I mean, I also said it many times, if he's healthy, He's gonna be, I don't know, into the top 200 or something. In 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 not it really is. It's not gonna take him that long. 
Uh, of course, he's defending a lot of points in the spring, but I mean, if if he was healthy for like you know twelve months, uh, I don't know if he's the most talented of the three uh, musketeers from Hungary, <laughs> uh, but he's definitely you know, not far off uh, Marosha or Pirosh, and uh, yeah, even 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 though on clay he probably feels slightly more natural, he he was still pretty excellent this week. Uh, I did not see the the Merida Aguilar match, so not not sure what uh, what happened there, why he why he went with him so for you know toe to toe for with him. Or so many uh, for so long, uh, but in the major certainly he looked great and just just lost to Offner in like a much you know one surface break a set I think so uh, def- definitely quite a huge week for him as well and I uh, would love to see him just produce uh, you know a whole year when he can actually play and play his best and be hundred percent fit but it it basically hasn't happened since like 2018 I think and I'm not sure it even happened then. Yeah, our other semifinalist was Maestrelli. He beat Gerch in a third September to start, then took out Kovoli and Gigante before losing to Shevchenko. Any thoughts on Maestrelli? Yeah, I really like how he started this how he started his year, honestly. Uh I think he he's um probably I well when I did that top one hundred list on Twitter, I, I didn't mention him. And I kinda regret that. Uh because uh yeah, I, I think just feel like with the with the sort of, uh, I don't even know how to call it, with how his ranking points are spread right now, I think he's got a very serious chance of rising the rankings at the beginning of the season, especially, of course. Uh, definitely compared to some of the Italian guys, he's so much better on hard courts as well. Uh, possibly you could even make a case that's stronger than on clay, but it's uh, I, th- I think it's probably debatable. Of course, at the Australian Open qualifying, he lost in the first round, but he lost to Andreev and it was like one of the best matches of the of the whole event, probably. And yeah, just just really enjoying how this Maestrelli year has started, especially compared to some of his Italian peers who also did and uh, who also did well in 2022, but uh, haven't really uh, shown that it's going to be you know just right back into it. Maestrelli definitely is uh, right back into that form. Yeah, uh, over in the doubles, we had Vlad Viktor Korna become the first player to win two titles uh, in, in on the Challenger Tour this season with two different partners. After winning uh, Oriya Rajwan with with Petr, uh, with Petrnoza, he now went with Matos Gornes here in Tenerife. Uh, they beat Niklas Salminen and Stevens, who also made the finals last week in Oriya. We can move on to Pirat. <laughs> Pirasikava, I think we'll yeah. go with that. Yeah, I che- I checked the pronunciation actually, and it's exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Where Andrea Coyarini won the title, beating my pick Tomas Barrios Vera six two seven six, his second challenger title after Laquila in August two thousand nineteen, reached two finals last year. On his run here, uh, he beat Olivieri, Sanchez Cover, uh, Tabilo, and Olivo. Uh, up 45 spots, number 186, which is his uh, career high ranking, equaling it. What did you think of Kolarini this week? Yeah, quite a couple of weeks he's had, right? And Tigre, he only lost to Juan Manuel Serundolo, although in pretty straightforward fashion, it has to be said. Apparently, he wasn't really doing that well ever on uh, clay. Uh, I mean, on altitude clay, of course, he's only playing clay, basically. I was very surprised to learn that this is his second challenger title, honestly. It, it certainly felt like he had more. Uh, he is, uh, well, he, he's just always felt dangerous, you know, when that, when that lefty forehand is clicking, especially, uh, he, he can be a real threat. Of, of, of course, there's been, uh, you know, mentally, uh, there's been losses, even this year, like the one against Aboyan at the, to start the year in Tigre, where he doesn't really deliver. This time he basically had one tough, uh, match against Olivo. Uh, and of course he, he beat Tabilo in the, uh, in the quarterfinals, but he was much better for like, you know, he was just a better player for basically the whole match, but was again, sort of close to blowing leads, especially the opening set. Uh, but he managed to handle that. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I just made the joke that, uh, on a group chat after, after he won Pirasicaba that, you know, Colarini for, for the top 100 this year. I don't know if that was ever a possibility, uh, but you know, it, it's too much. But the last two weeks, you know, if he is able to bring that sort of level, I think he's he's going to be at uh, about his career high ranking actually after the Australian Open, which which is about uh, one one eighty six. I think is his, is his career high. 
Uh, and yeah, he's definitely positioned himself well enough to improve that. Perhaps not improve it th- that much. Uh, but yeah, as you said, three three finals in the span of uh, about, I think, nine months, which is something that he has never done in his entire career. I mean, before uh, before that third final, I think he only had two of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, top one hundred. It's 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 a lot of a lot of ways to go. I think he still has like two hundred points or something to to even be, to even be close. Um, but yeah, let's talk about our finals. Barrios Vera, uh, his sixth challenger final, one and five in those finals. Uh, he, he reached two finals in May last year. Obviously, Poznan being one of them, where he lost to Rinderknecht. Uh, then he played a little bit in May, and after that, he he took a six month break due to injury, presumably. I I, I didn't see what injury it was. Um, came back in Australia on the hard courts. It, it wasn't great coming in one and two, but this week he beat Ribeiro, Comesanya, Casanova, beat Ugo Carabelli in a very good match. Uh, which ultimately maybe took away from his finals performance. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of Barrios Vera this week? Yeah, I, I think the final could have been much different if he didn't have to finish that semi on Sunday. Uh, it was 16 games, you know, that that's pretty huge. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have to play 16 games before your before your next match, and of course, not that many hours between the between them. Um, yeah, I, I think we even said in uh, before the Australian Open that he has uh, started his season reasonably well. If you if you think of the fact that you know he was out for six months, and he definitely proved it again. Uh, the fact that you didn't get a point this week, by the way, is pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, with the two finalists both being. Uh, sizable favorites, I would say. Uh, and uh, Paris Vera was definitely among them, but uh, was was kind of screwed over by the scheduling. But of course, that's not really the organizer's fault or, fault or anyone else really for that matter. But yeah, he, he fared nicely in the uh, altitude conditions for sure. Uh, scored a big win over Ugo Carabelli and and yeah, just, just didn't, came up short in the final. But uh, certainly you could expect some decent stuff from Barrios Vera this year again. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of easy to forget how um, I, he was really having like a pretty good moment just before that, just before that injury. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, let's talk about our semi-finalists. We had Ugo Carabelli being beating one uh, being one of them. He beat Janessi 6-1 in the third to start, then took revenge on Jesper de Jong after after he lost him last week, beat Sebos Wild in the quarterfinals. What did you think of Ugo Carabelli? Yeah, the revenge on the Young was definitely quite huge. He also beat uh, Saberfield, as he said, whom uh, who has been looking quite decent recently. And I also thought he probably could do it here because of the the altitude conditions, which should sweet the Brazilian. Uh, it was Carabelli, of course, taking that one. Very strong run. I mean, compared to most of the players in the draw, I have to say that he had to beat Giannessi, the young save of field, and then lost to Barrios Vera. Like that just reads out like, you know, not a Piracicaba challenger, but one of the strongest, I don't know, 125 case that we've had in, uh, in Argentina, in South America before, uh, you know, I think before the pandemic, I think since the Dove, um, circuit has emerged, there haven't really been many 125 case from, uh, in South America, but you know, anyway, such a strong field, he was able to to get through to the to the semis and almost to the final. But I guess he he also would have been pretty tired when facing uh, Colarini, although he probably has a better matchup matchup against him than um, than Barrios Vera. Yeah, that wasn't the case for uh, Renzo Olivo, who beat uh, you know lesser names at the very least uh, on his run to the semifinals. Beat Stodder, Zhu, and Atmane all in straight sets uh, before losing to Barrios, uh, not not Barrios, but uh, before losing to Colarini in three. What did you think of Renzo Olivo this week? Yeah, I watched that Atmane win. It was definitely pretty good at that. Of course, um, yeah. Again, the the five hundred meter altitude. Uh, someone like Atmane really likes it. Perhaps that's also why he went to 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 South America in the first place to play in some of these altitude clay events. Um, Olivo, interestingly, I I tried to compare his records on altitude clay to Colarini when they were playing in the semifinals. And you know, you'd think that Colarini was probably going to be the better player in such conditions, but. Oh, it's Olivo who's done uh, much better uh, in them most of the year. Um, you know, most of the years that they've uh, they've professional careers have uh, have been going. And yeah, 
Uh, just lost a very tight match to Colarini, so definitely a pretty decent start to the year because we can say that, you know, going to Australia and losing to Alex Bolt just three games, like, that was just, you know, he, he got the check, never mind. Of course, I'm sure he tried, but, you know, he just uh, never really had a shot against most players in the draw, I guess. Yeah, and over in the doubles, we had a bizarre, a bit of a bizarre situation with Luz and Zorman lifting the title, but not playing a single point in the semis or the final after receiving walkovers. First from last week's champions, Tradacilva uh, and Prichotko, and then Colarini and Olivo, who are obviously a finalist and a semi-finalist this week. Twelfth uh, challenger title for Luz, first one for Zorman. Yeah, I was just about to ask if it's if it's the first one for Zorman because I, I felt like it probably is. That that's a very wild way to to get your first. Absolutely, yeah. But it does be bizarre. They they, they won two matches and then no, <laughs> they're the champions. Uh, but yeah, um, we, we can head over to Dontaburi where we had Shimabukuro beat Atur Kazo in the final six two seven five. Shimabukuro's first challenger title, maybe a bit surprising after going one and two in Ontaburi in the first two weeks. On this run, he beat Mats Morang 6-3, 6-2, then took out top seed James Duckworth uh, 6-1 in the third. Beats Denny Kolash, who surprisingly uh, won one point matches. Uh, 16 in the third there, then Hong in straight sets. Uh, Shimabukuro moves at 29 spots, number 232 in the live rankings. Uh, on, will break the top 250 once the real rankings come out on Monday. What did you think of the Japanese player here? Yeah, of course, he's had a pretty good, he had a pretty big year in 2022, winning a couple of 25Ks. Uh, by the way, this like this is like a recurring theme, I think, since the show was first established. It's then a collage shade. At first, it was about the doubles. Now it's about the singles. <laughs> At first, it was me. Uh, now, now, now it's now it's you. Uh, just being even more violent towards the Czech, which, whom I think we both like really. I mean, we, we like him. Yeah, we like him. Like I wanted to say enjoy at first. Like I don't know if I enjoy his game. I do definitely like him as a as a player and will as a person and uh, definitely wish him well. Uh, but yeah. I, yeah, I I wish him the best, even though the best doesn't always come um, on the court. But I mean, the, the, this week he did great beat Donskoy and Khoinsky. What more could you want? Um, yeah, that's true. That that was a very uh, nice run for Kolash after a few months of just barely winning any matches. And uh, yeah, when it comes to Shimabukuro, uh, definitely yeah, on the on the rise. One of the guys who will now be like in Grand Slam qualifying range, more or less, which is which is definitely huge for him. I think he did an excellent job in the final for sure. Uh, just uh, got out, out, got out, out there. Uh, you know, no nerves whatsoever. Even though it was his first uh, final, even uh, he, he, he not only did he not have a title, he also never had a final. Uh, and he just came out there and was very determined to attack the Kazo second serve, which looked vulnerable on the day. I guess we're kind of gonna have to see. Uh, if it's this case with uh, if the Frenchman, you know, is fully fit, whether this is also attackable, I think it is to an extent. Probably not to as uh, not to the, that extent that we saw on Sunday in the final. Uh, but here, yeah, Shimabukuro just had a very good showing in the final. No nerves, as I said, no nerves at all, and uh, took it very confidently. And this was the point that I thought you were just guaranteed to get by the time Kazo reached the, reached the final. I was also optimistic, but Arthur Kazom, I pick here, um, did not take the title. His fourth challenger final, all of them in Ontaburi. He is the Ontaburi specialist. Uh, his run, I mean, he started in qualifying and already it was so tough in qualifying. He beat Jung and Gaio. Uh, then in the main draw, takes up Parker, Manchik, Sangren, and Fonio. Did not drop a set, put together a 13 match win streak coming into the final. Couldn't. Get it done, unfortunately. Uh, he's in a similar ranking range as Shimabukuro now. Uh, currently in the live ranking, three spots higher, but they'll, you know, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll finish around the same. Also in Grand Slam qualifying range now. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on Kazo this week and sort of going forward? Yeah, I will circle back to that top 100 spot uh, list I made again. I wish Artur Kazo was on, on it. Uh, I, I truly think he can make it this year if he if he just he stays healthy. He is excellent and and, and like truly, uh, the fact that he lost the final to Shimabukuro. I mean, the guy was going for his 14th win in 15 days. By the way, there are so many parallels to uh, last year when he won Don Taburi too. 
Mm-hmm. Of course, then he lost in the qualifying to Nontaburi 1, and here he didn't play it, but still, won Nontaburi 2 as a qualifier, then actually had a special exempt for the third one. Uh, here he had to play for qualifying, but there he lost to Scott Parker in the final, just run out of steam. Here, again, very similar, just loses to someone else. Scott Parker, he beat along the way. Uh, and yeah, uh, the, there were a couple of people who like texted me this week uh, asking, why is Kazo only good in Nontaburi? And I just said, I don't think he's only good in Ontaburi, you know? I, I think it's been a, a bit of a coincidence that uh, he's basically only been healthy there. Or when he's when he has been healthy, uh, he was playing in some strong French challengers where he wasn't maybe able to, to make as much impact. I doubt it's anything about Thailand, really, or, or, or Ontaburi for that matter. So, uh, yeah, very excited to see what he will do with this. Uh, I, will have to, I will say, though, that if I did that top 100 list the year before, so before the 2022 season, I'm pretty sure Artur Kaza would have made it. Uh, I, I was that high on him after 2021, but of course that season was like him basically starting the season late, finishing it earlier, uh, taking an indefinite break even. So, uh, you know, th- there wasn't really much he could do in 2022, still managed to get his first challenger title. And yeah, just, I, I am really expecting some, some low, huge ranking progress for the guy this year. And hopefully this, uh, this Nontaburi 13 and one streak is just the start of that. Yeah, uh, Stuart Parker, not not Scott, but that's fine. Oh yeah, um, I, I said Scott Parker. Who is Scott Parker? That's not a tennis Former. player, but, but there yeah, is now, someone now like that. Manager. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the the ceiling with Kazo is 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 great. Uh, the room is definitely there. He he only um, he went twenty two fourteen last season, which tells you how much he played. Um, not, not not much at all. So the potential is there for him for sure. Yeah, we can move on to our semi-finalists, starting with Seong Chan Hong, who after that amazing run in, in Matsuyama uh, last year, now comes back to this season and, and plays great again. He beats Samurai, Nam Hwang Lee, and Heads. He's also inching towards that uh, same ranking image as Kazo and Shima Bokuro. He's a couple of spots behind them. Uh, and now currently at 236, I believe, in the rankings as they stand. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Hong this week? Yeah, we weren't too high, I think, on re- on him repeating that sort of a run because of the fan cut loss in Numea. But yeah. still, I mean, it might not be very explosive, but the guy definitely has a challenger level game right now. Uh, very excited to see how it will fare in any other parts of the world as well. Because, of course, so far it's been mostly Asia related. Uh, I wonder what sort of even, you know, surfaces he will be going to, uh, he'll be trying to go for. Uh, I think he, I saw him on the alternate list for Delray Beach. So it's possible that he might be, you know, uh, trying to travel to the States and play something there. I think that that could be the right choice, right? Because I like European indoor challengers. Do you see him doing well there? I don't know. I, yeah, the Americas, maybe, maybe something like that. Like, um, I, I don't think he signed up for Cleveland, but yeah, even, events like that, I think could be, it could be great for him. Maybe India, uh, the, the Indian, uh, you know, streak of uh, the, the Indian sort of series that we see that we have coming. I don't think the entry list for 10 nights of the first event is out yet, but maybe that's what he should be going for. Or maybe Manama, which is in this, in the same week in Bahrain. Yeah, our other semifinals was Giovanni Fonio uh, getting there as a lucky loser. Uh, he beat Jisoo Nam 6-2 in the third, uh, then lost to Menchik very easily, 3-1, but came back into the main draw, beat Yevseyev Hassan and got a retirement from Escoffier uh, before losing to Kazal. What did you think of Fonio this week? I mean, he quietly had an amazing uh, free-week stretch in Hontaburi, right? Uh, just nine and four when it comes to the win-loss record, losing twice to Kazo, losing to Denis Novak and losing to Menchik. Pretty much nothing wrong about that really in any, any of these losses. So, um, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, the, the one, the one you mentioned. So the, the straightforward loss to, uh, loss to Menchik, but he, he beat a lot of quality players along the way, you know, Parker, uh, Santian, uh, Jisung Nam, Escofia, I guess was a retirement, but I, I, until, until like the second, the end of the second set, I don't think Escofia was feeling it that much. Uh, so yeah, just quietly put, put together a very solid run, even though we'll probably like forget about it in like a month <laughs> because of course there was no final, there was no title. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you look at who he's lost to, of course, and who he's beaten, uh, that was probably the, the best three weeks of Giovanni Fonia's career so far. 
I think that would be fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 rough for him that he only has one semifinal to show for it because those other losses came a lot earlier to to Kazo and Novak in the first two weeks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the potential is there going forward. Let's let's see what he has to show. There's always new Italians spawning uh, to you know <laughs> make make a new great run and then you know become the new guy for a couple of weeks that, that we talk about. There's there's so many of them. So maybe Fonny has that potential at some point down the road even though he's he's a bit older. Uh, in the doubles, we had Nam and Song take the title uh, after two semifinals in the first two weeks in Nantaburi, their fifth challenger title together, and they beat Koinski and Parker. All right, match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Well, as usual, I have not chosen anything, but I think we can start with the upset, and I'm probably going to go for... Uh, a guy that we both picked to win the event and that failed miserably. I'm checking to see if the bookies have anything that was higher for them, but I don't think so. So I am going to go uh, Kimer Kopejans over Bornagoyo. Do I in general think that Kimer is uh, you know, that much worse of a tennis player than Bornagoyo? No, I, I don't. I'm not even sure if I think he's worse than Bornagoyo, uh, but um, yeah, I just, you know, after after losing the school kate in the opening round of the Australian Open qualifying, I mean, Kopejans and Goyo having the United Cup that he had, it just seemed like this time he needs to perform, you know, in, non, in a non-team-based uh, competition. And yet somehow he always keeps, you know, Goyo just keeps playing well for Croatia and uh, not doing much else anywhere. So, um, I mean, of course, he won the, the first his first challenger title in Ortisei at the end of last year, which is that uh, probably the fastest court on the circuit. So with his serve, it, it, it just really helped. Goyo has a wonderful opportunity to get to the top 100 this year. That's for sure. But, you know. I don't I don't really understand how he's able to to do that again how he's able to play so well at the ATP uh, sorry United Cup and then uh, go here and lose so tamely to to Kimer Kopejans because of course there's nothing wrong in losing to the Belgian it's just that the style in which he did it yeah, three and two from a guy that we both picked to win the title is certainly disappointing I have gone with Shimabukuro over Duckworth uh, six on the third there. Duckworth obviously hasn't been amazing or anything, but Shimabukuro didn't show much in the first two weeks. Uh, so I was definitely surprised when I saw that result. All right, match of the week. Who do you have? Hmm. I think I'm going to have to go with Tenerife as well. That's in general probably the, the event that I watched the most. Nontaburi was, of course, mostly during the Australian Open. Uh, so I only put on like the... Basically, I put on Kazo uh, almost every time, uh, and uh, and Pirasikaba was usually sleeping during, <laughs> while it was playing. So I think I'm gonna go with something from Tenerife, and it's gonna be Ofner Nardi, an excellent round one matchup that I think just delivered, uh, you know, and was exactly as good as I as I hoped it would be. Yeah, of of Nardi is also the match that I chose. Very exciting first round match already on paper that certainly delivered. Uh, the first set tiebreak was very entertaining. Um, Ofner had to save two set points in in there. Uh, then he had two match points in the second set at six five, but Nardi fought back, won that tiebreak uh, very dominantly. Uh, and then he was also up to one and forty love on Ofner's serve in the third set. Uh, Ofner turned it around, though, got a break of his own, served it out. Uh, yeah, been quite quite entertaining match. By the way, the draws that Nardi is getting in his challenger round ones this year are just crazy. Klein in Canberra, Ofner in Tenerife, and now in Quimper, which we're going to talk about in a second, he gets Van Asch. <laughs> That's really, really rough for him. Uh, but yeah, let's go to our previews. Currently in the winner's picks, you are leading 4-3, to three, if, if I have that correctly. Yeah. We didn't get any this week, uh, so that uh, that fantastic efficiency that we had. Because I don't, I'm not sure if you if you know that, but after the first two weeks, I was at fifty percent, and you were at thirty seven and a half. <laughs> of course, that couldn't that couldn't continue, but you know, it was good to dream at, at least for a while there. Yeah, I mean, you've certainly been buoyed by the Serundolo double uh, in in Pira. Yeah. I did for the second one, but. Yeah, both, let's, both, let's, going, let's, both going for fields as well. I think we had Fuchovic as well together. So it was yeah. three common picks yeah. and then me getting the, the other Serundo title. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, four to three for you. We have we have all big events, two one twenty fives and a one hundred. No no small fifties or seventy fives this time around. There was supposed to be a Cleveland event in the same week, I think, but it was cancelled. But I'm not sure if it was a hundred or a seventy five. I think it was a seventy five. Uh, or not Cleveland? Uh, sorry, Columbus. Cleveland. Cleveland oh. is uh, Cleveland is going to be there uh, in a week, but uh, it was it was going to be Columbus. <laughs> yeah, the other Ohio event. Uh, yeah, let's start in Otinye Louvain Leneuve. A uh, very exciting name to say. Let's start uh, there. The top seed is David Goffin with a wild card after withdrawing from the Australian Open. He will face a fellow Belgian in uh, Belgian in Kimmer Kopeans to start, which is an entertaining first round match. Winner will then face Ferreira Silva or Brancaccio. Also in the section, we have Hanfman facing Sedarosic. Laxon in place, Berankis as well. Uh, second section, huge names in there too. Hugo Umber plays a qualifier, and then Lukas Klein or Liam Brody. Rodionov faces off with Kovalik, but could have Struf in the second round if the German beats Kaichi Uchida. Third section, Mahach uh, faces off with Misalic before potentially facing Riedi. This draw is just uh, really strong. Elias Imer plays a qualifier, and then Valentin Vachero or another qualifier, Vachero with a wild card here, which is pretty interesting i think this is just a guess by the way like don't 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 mention me don't quote me uh but i think kofem had a wild card for the 2022 monte carlo masters and i'm Ah. assuming that it could be a deal maybe maybe uh and in the final section we have oscar otta facing off with alexander shevchenko coming off a title Winner could then face Marosan or a qualifier borna goyov faces with zizu berics and then collignon or a qualifier over in the qualifying, we have Mikael Imer in uh, as as an alternate, and he plays Gilles Arnaud Bailly, uh, who's like the great young Belgian talent at the moment. We also have Chem Ilkel in the very same section, so only one of those three will, will make it through. Uh, we also have Yuris Delor, who's been doing very well. Durasevich plays Kachmazov. Chelik Bilek plays Rosenkrantz. Hertz faces with Kenny Desheper. Uh, Gulbis is in here as well. So uh, in the same section as Mats Morang. So it's a Morang very strong has withdrawn, by the way. Uh, there's uh, there's a Belgian alternate playing in uh, for him right now. Uh, actually, Christopher Heyman. So uh, probably the mm-hmm. favorite against Colson, although he is losing by a set now. Uh, over in the doubles, Arens and Pell are the top seeds. Uh, we have Klein and Kovalik playing Otte and Struff, which is very interesting. <laughs> Uh, Arnaldo and Weisbord are in here as well. Lomakin plays with Shevchenko. Um, Sabanov brothers face off against Brown and Hanfman. That will be an, an exciting first round match there. Uh, the Sabanovs got into the Australian Open as, as alternates. Uh, so, so they've had to sort of go back and forth here. Uh, Yebavi and Pavlasek team up together again after Pavlasek started his year with Gengel. Uh, they play Courtney Locke and Lutarevich. Uh, we also have Bortolotti playing with Shkugor. Nikola Samin and Stevens have made back-to-back finals. But going back to the singles, who are you picking for the title? Yeah, Mikhail Imer facing Cem Ilkel potentially in the final qualifying round. I mean, that's yeah. just, yeah. I want to watch this match if it's in the main draw. If it's in the qualifying, it becomes like, you know, the, the, the blockbuster. Possibly, we, we, maybe we won't even get a better qualifying match all year. Uh, I'm not even sure Mikhail will win it, frankly, but we'll see. Uh, Yoris Delor not getting a main draw wildcard, I think, is a big mistake. Uh, I hope he yeah, progresses. He deserves it more than Colignon, I think. Yeah, Colinio is younger, of course, uh, but still, the guy just won back to, I mean, almost won back to back titles. The, the just guy made uh, back to back finals in Oirash. You gotta just, you know, at least let him see if this is possible, if he is actually ready to, you know, fight for like a top 100 push that he's been talking about. If this is even possible, I think you gotta let him see that. Uh, of course, it, it, there's a possibility he will make it for the qualifying. Uh, he has a, I think, what at this stage is a favorable round on matchup against Ramanathan. Given how the Indian has been doing in in in, in singles, but still, it, it's quite rough. You know, usually you don't get alternates like that uh, in challenger qualifying, and then Durasovic Kachmasov. That's quite that's really tough. So, uh, whichever one of these really. So, um, yeah, if if he doesn't qualify, it's going to be a huge uh, huge fail for the event. I think. Yeah, the, the super strong draw, both qualifying and of course and the and the main draw. Uh, Bailey theoretically shouldn't be, or I, he's actually. I think I received a message recently about how to pronounce his name, but I actually forgot already. Uh, I will check that for the next, uh, I think I check, I'll check that for the next episode. Anyway, um, yeah, 
I think he probably doesn't have a shot at Imer, but he also wasn't supposed to have a shot at David Goffin in Antwerp, obviously. And yeah, when it comes to the draw, uh, we have the possibility of Mahaj playing Riedi in the second round, uh, which uh, in the Helsinki final wasn't really close, but I think maybe maybe it could be closer now. I don't want to go there. Shevchenko, the Tenerife champ, playing Ote. I don't think indoors he really stands that much of a chance. Ote is definitely one of the candidates for the you know for the title, but then again, he's just lost to Yunchek Shang at the Australian Open, which, in fairness, is not looking like a bad loss given how how Shang is is uh, has started his year. Uh, Zizu Berks uh, playing Borna Goyo in the opening rounds definitely don't want to touch it in terms of the winner predictions. Umbert had a great Australian Open run, but he, uh, you know, it's going to be a pretty short turnaround since that third round match against Rune. He played it on uh, Friday. Uh, and then he can also face Klein Brody. So I also don't want to go there. So basically, what I'm saying is I think I have to be the big David Goffin. I don't, oh, wow. I don't like that. I don't, uh, th- this isn't a pick I condone in terms of, you know, just going for top seeds. And this also isn't the pick that I feel most confident with. I don't know. Something just tells me that, you know, maybe he, he was just unfit to play the Australian Open. I'm not sure if he's going to actually perform here, but I don't see another option in the draw. I'm sorry. I mean, there's just anyone else has some real issues on their, on their way. And that's why I'm going to go with, uh, David Goffin. I'm I'm shocked by this, uh, but yeah, I mean, good, good fun who just withdrew last last week. I'm, but yeah, fair enough. Let's go with it. No, it's not uh, that yeah. shocking. I mean, he has to be one of no. the like top three, four contenders, still, right? I, I, I would maybe put him more in the five through eight range okay. because this is like draw. Uh, so many people are coming in here in, in decent form, at least, or you know, full health. We, we, we of course don't know if he's fully healthy, but I feel like if he if he was capable of, of playing, then he would have played. I mean, it's, it's a slam at the end of the day with a decent first round against locally. But let's let's go back to this draw. It, it is very tough because everybody has has somebody they play. If I'm thinking about Mahach, he has Riedi. If I'm thinking about Otte, he has Marojan there. He has Izuberics there. Uh, and I think I'll just have to bite the bullet and I'll go with Ugo Umber. It is very tough. Whoever comes out of qualifying will be tough. Klein will be tough. Rodionov or Struth will be tough. Um, but I do like that sort of top quarter. I don't really see Goffin making it out of there. So I feel like the, the semifinal matchup for Umber will be better if he gets there. But yeah, it's it, it, it's very tough to pick out of this draw, I think. Yeah, Umber for me. And we can go over to Kimper, where the top seed is Quentin Alice facing a qualifier, then Hugo Grenier or another qualifier. Dominic Stricker plays Pierre Hugues Herbert with a wild card, it could then face uh, Benoit Pair or a qualifier. We could have uh, Herbert versus Pair uh, in a match of washed up French players. Uh, Pospicio plays Gaze Brauer. Uh, could then face Fields or a qualifier. Arnaldi plays Ofner, and then Otto Vitanen or another qualifier. Albot plays Muller, uh, then Pirosh or Bellier. Luca Vanash plays Luca Nardi, as we spoke, uh, as, as, as you said, Nardi has been getting it with these draws. Uh, winner will then face Blancano or Rodriguez Taverna. Barrer plays Emilio Nava, uh, could then face Guinard or a qualifier. Denis Novak plays Damit Jumhur and then Luka Pui or Flavio Koboli. In the qualifying, do we have any matches done yet? Yeah, a couple. Okay. Uh, in the qualifying, we have Nick Hart as the top seed. Um, we also have Evan Furness. Uh, Marcinko has just won a match over Locke. Uh, Buyun Chaoketa is in there. Uh, Ulysses um, Blanche plays Borg, and Pechi Pericard is, is interesting in that's in this draw. A lot of a lot of sort of doubles uh, alternates that I've seen here: Valkov, Aesthetic, uh, Stolder, Yeah, so yeah, Verbeek as well. So we'll see how it goes. But there there are some potentially dangerous players that could, that could come out of there. Although nothing like Otinier, Luven, Lanev. In the doubles, we have Dumbia and Rebul as the top seeds. Um, we also have Benoit Pair playing with Antoine Bellier. Uh, Shimon Valkov teams with, with Johnny O'Mara. 
Uh, we also have Petros Tsitsipas playing with Reese Stolder, uh, Eisek and Molchanov team up, Koboli and Nardi play together, Olivetti plays with Hunter Reese, uh, and Cornea and Matos Gornes are in here as well after winning a title last week. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title? Very unrelated, but Olivetti, uh, did you see who he played with at the Australian Open in doubles? No, no, I missed that. It was an absolutely hilarious uh, doubles serve and volley pairing between him and Cressy. How'd they do? I don't remember, actually. I think I mostly just saw them on the entry list. I did not I did not watch the match. So, uh, I, yeah, it was just, just one of these pairings that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, Cressy apparently is one too. And yeah, they lost, ah, they lost to Shardy and Martel, yeah, who I think are still in the event. At least they were before today. And in Lahitschka, uh, yesterday. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So they they are in the quarterfinals. Uh, Jean-Julien Roger, whom we had on the show in 2021 is going for a career grand slam, by the way, if he wins the Australian Open, uh, which would be a super cool story because I think he only has three slams right now. Anyway, um, Let's uh, let's get back to the to business. Uh, as you said, the, the qualifying, I don't think it really has that many threats to win the tournament or get far in the main draw. It would have to be like an insanely good run from someone like Janvier or, or something like that. Maybe Petri Pericard, actually, but he just lost to Ulysses Blanche, I think, in Tenerife. Uh, so, so that could be rough for him. And Borg as well, indoors. Um, yeah, who do I want to pick here? Uh, the, the draw is again super strong, you know, Pospisil, Brauer, Herbert, Stryker. These are some insane matchups. I wonder how Arthur Fields is going to do. I think the matchup against the qualifier is, is, you know, a, a pretty nice, uh, opportunity for him. And then against Pospisil and Brauer, I, either way, I think I'd make him favorite. But, you know, it's going to be a bit of, a, a, an uncertainty to see whether he will deliver again just instantly. Um, yeah. I have no clue who I want to go for here. Dennis Novak, Damir Jumhur, the matchup, the revenge for the final in Bratislava 2020-2019, where which lasted 55 minutes, if I remember correctly. Uh, Nava Barrer, also another class matchup in the opening round. But of course, Gregoire Barrer is always uh, very much a threat indoors in France. And in fact, I think I'm just going to have to go with Quentin on this. Um, playing a qualifier, then potentially playing uh, Hugo Grenier, uh, who's out of form. In that section, there's, of course, Stryker or Ber, which is tough. But everyone here is going to have a tough opponent in their section, I think. And, you know, one of them will be out early. So I think Stryker just has the easiest... Uh, sorry, Stryker. Uh, Alice just has the easiest quarter possible uh, of, the, of all the other contenders. I'm sorry that I'm picking the top seed again. I plan not to do that in Concepcion, although I'm not sure... Uh, who the top city is, uh, but I will try not to do that. Let's, uh, let's see. Let's see that. And, uh, let's, let's just say that. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Alice. I just think he's got the best draw out of all these contenders. Yeah, I'm, I'm joining you on, on Alice here. Um, he's three and three on the year, hasn't really taken a bad loss, losses to Djokovic, Tsitsipas, and Brooksby in Auckland. That's uh, what a list, by the way, right? Yeah. Beat, beat Shelton and Molchan in Auckland, although, I mean, they weren't playing like, like they played eventually in, in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, on that level, he, he won Kimper back in 2018, actually beating Stefano Tsitsipas in the semifinals, uh, funnily enough. Um, yeah, the, the draw is tough. Everybody's draw is very tough in these two events, uh, this and, and Otinier. Uh, and yeah, he, he's the player that I'm probably the most confident in, uh, just sort of ripping through it and, and taking the title. And let's head over to Concepcion, where we have Fede Kokoria as the top seed. So I'm not qualifier. picking the top seed. <laughs> <laughs> facing a qualifier and then Matias Soto, uh, a Chilean wildcard or another qualifier. In his section, though, he does have Federico Dalbonis facing Gonzalo Lama and then Franco Agamemnon in there as well, having a qualifier. Great first round here between Serundolo and Barrios Vera. Uh, Juan Manuel Serundo, that is, who took a week off after winning back-to-back -back Tigre titles to start the year. Uh, winner would then play Puccinelli de Almeida or a qualifier. Hugo Dalian is here playing Michal Kukushkin, who I'm very surprised by the scheduling here, but here he is. We'll, we'll, we'll see what he does. Yeah, apparently it's just for a week, but there's also um, Davis Cup, Kazakhstan, Chile. I'm not sure if oh, he's been... 
I'm not okay. sure if he's been man, if he's been nominated, but I think I, you know, that would that would be the only thing that makes sense, basically, right? Yeah, Skatov is in here as well. Turn the draws. So yeah, they're there together. Um, as to, to prepare for the Davis Cup, but yeah, Delian plays Gukushkin, then Fikovic or Kiker. Hugo Karabey plays Tirante, uh, could then face Olivo or qualified. This is a very strong draw. Juan Pablo Barrias plays Cuiarini, who just won a title, another great first round. Uh, will then face Diaz Acosta or qualifier. Tabilo plays Navone, and then Guido Andreozzi, who earned himself a wild card here. Uh, or Luciano Datteri, Timofei Skatov plays Tunglin Wu, who is here as well, very sort of surprising. Uh, whenever we play Olivieri or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have the first round behind us. Some interesting names. Trzewiecki won a round over, over Chong. 6-3, 6-2. That's interesting, but we'll likely lose to Juan Bautista Torres. Yeah, Torres could be rough with his fitness. Uh, <laughs> fitness of a doubles player, let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, whoops, lost my draw there. Uh, yeah, but some other names we have in here are uh, Sebo Wild, who we talked about earlier, will play Roca Bataya. Uh, Murkel Deyen will play Casanova for a spot. Mejia will play uh, Boscatin Diaz for a place in the main draw. Dutra da Silva and Chepeliev also facing off in the doubles. Uh, we have Martinez and Rodriguez uh, as the top seeds playing the Delian brothers. Hugo and Murkel teaming up. That's exciting. Great first round. Um, we also have Arias and Zepayos. That Deri plays with Trijotko. Um, Agamemnon and Diaz Acosta team up. Koryat plays with uh, Ugo Karabey. Dzhevinsky here playing with Matuszewski. Andrzej teams up with Duran to face off against Luz and Zorman, who were the the champions uh, last week. Querini and Olivier in here as well. This is this is strong draws all around. I'm I'm pleased with this event. But going back to the main draw singles, who do you think is taking the title? Who do I think is taking the title? That is a good question. I see a couple of contenders, uh, which are probably the strongest, but of course it's a very good field. Uh, there's a lot of things that could happen. I'm, yeah, it's strong enough that I definitely don't want to go for like a safe wheeled, uh, hero call, uh, which I think I will do at, at some point this year. I, I, I have a small prediction that I will be picking Thiago Sabofield at some point of, at some point this year. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, predicting the predictions. I think I also had uh, one more, uh, one similar thing uh, like that uh, last year, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, Casanova Delian, by the way, uh, that's a great round to match up uh, in qualifying. They've both started there very well. Um, the guys I'm looking at mostly are Varias and Serundolo. Both peaks have some real issues. One of them for Varias is Coyarini, and then Diaz Acosta potentially, or even Merigeni Alves, frankly. That's just really tough. Hugo Carabelli in the quarters. But, you know, the draw is this strong that it can be, it can be a problem. And with Serundolo, yeah, Barrios Vena, that's, that's a rough round one. But if he gets through it, I actually like that half. But that's, of course, provided that Hugo Delian is not exactly in his, uh, you know, challenger winning form. Uh, which I hope he won't be uh, in terms of the peak that I'm just going to make because I think I'm I'm just going to get take from uh, Juan Manuel Serundolo. He's on a 10 match win streak. He's on like a 15 match win streak. I think in Argentina. Who am I to you know to try to put a stop to that? This is not even in Argentina, of course. Uh, <laughs> So the, I, I'm not sure why I mentioned that, but I just remembered when we were talking about Tigre that this was a, a big deal for some Argentinian people on Twitter that I follow. Of course, this isn't in Argentina. So he's just on a 10 match win streak. But yeah, I think I just have to go for it. Uh, I think that all potential peaks in this draw have some small issues with with uh, with them. I wish I was like uh, bigger on Federico Coria potentially winning this event, but I think he will probably lose to someone in the semis or in the or, or in the or in the final if he when he gets there. Or because I feel like pretty confident that he should get through the first few rounds unless he gets something very tough like uh, Sabofield from the qualies. Yeah, I'm going to go with Squandon Luis Serundo. You know, let's let's get the hype train rolling. I don't feel confident in it, but I don't think there's a peak in this draw that I would feel confident about. It's just pre-even and, and very strong. It's tough, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote on Serundo also. I'm, I'm trying to now decide whether to to stick with it or or twist the way. 
uh, yeah, as you said, past Barrios Vera, which is, you know, not not an easy first round at all, not a guaranteed one at all. Uh, Barrios Vera could very well beat Serundolo in the first round here. Past that, within the quarter, it's very nice there. Uh, Delien has only just come back. Uh, didn't look great, but of course, that was in hard courts. Um, Cody, I'm not super confident in as as a semifinals opponent. And every everything else is so tough. Tabilo's draw is looking interesting, but I'm not confident in Tabilo's uh, form at the moment. So I think I will just stick with Juan Manuel Serundolo as well. So we match twice. We differ in Otigné, Louvain, Lanev. Um, but yeah, we match in Kimper and Concepcion. Yeah, so you, you can only tie after this week. <laughs> Which would, uh, which, um, oh, you're clearly going for the safe strats there. No, but I'm, I'm the one, I'm the one going for the safe strats as well. Alice, of course, uh, was, uh, was definitely the safest pick in Concepcion. And I think Serundolo could also be the safest one in, in Concepcion. Uh, we'll see if he delivers and if he brings the, the level that we're expecting from him. This is going to be a step up for him, you know, after, after the Tigre back to back titles run. The draw is so much stronger. So, there is still a bit of a question mark, I think, here. Anyway, uh, I think that that means that we have finished. As we said, there was supposed to be another challenger in the States this week, but was cancelled. Uh, it was a, like a month ago. I'm not sure what the reason was, but it was, it was a long while ago. It wasn't a, a decision made, uh, you know, yesterday. And... Uh, hmm? Yeah, it, it, I was just thinking, it's, it's not something nobody traveled over there. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. That, that, would be, that would be awful for the players. <laughs> Not sure if that happens really. I guess, you know, when, when the uh, last year we had that unfinished event in Charleston, that kind of counts, you know, they yeah. only get price money and ranking points up until that certain round. So uh, at least they got something though. Anyway, uh, let's maybe, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's finish it. Uh, let's finish it uh, here. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be back in a week to discuss the events in Concepcion, Quimper and Otinielu von Leneuve. Bye.